the Florida Gators have taken a less aggressive approach to recruiting this cycle, and how is it paying off? We're going to talk about it here on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Locked On Gators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. Happy Tuesday. I'm Brandon Olson. Find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Red work with Whole Nine Sports, Giants Country, NFL 33. And joining me now is going to be Brandon Carroll with All Gators of SI.com. Joining me now for Locked On Gators is Brandon Carroll with All Gators. And Brandon, you've been here before. You know what this is like. But now it's a bit of a different time because now we're actually into the official visit cycle, into summer recruiting. And, you know, a lot of the June's going to be amazing stuff. Not so much, but so far through two weeks of official visits, Florida is, at the time of recording this, down a commit in the 2024 class because, of course, Chauncey Bowens, and we're recording this before Mike Williams announces his decision, which we think will be Gators. But so far, just what's your feel on how official visits have gone to this point? Yeah, I think there obviously there's a lack of closing that they've had to kind of struggle with so far, but they put themselves in position to be able to land quite a few guys moving forward. If you think back to this time last year, they weren't landing a lot of guys outside or like right after the commit or the official visits, but a lot of those pieces did commit later on down the road. The first official visit weekend being the most kind of like being that one that people look back on and say, okay, they got a lot of these guys. So they're setting themselves up to be able to, make these moves further on down the line, but there is a little bit of concern that it's not happening as quickly as many people expected it to be, including myself. Um, I think Mike Williams, like you said, should be committing to, uh, tonight and that could kind of kickstart where they go from here. Um, there's a plethora of other guys that are kind of aligning at the top for, you know, with Florida at the top in their recruitment. So it's really just a matter of trying to get those guys to close um, their com- recruitments before they their desired timelines i know a lot of these guys want to commit before the season or even drag it into the season a little bit for their senior senior year but just they're just not you know kind of popping early even though they're having great times on these visits and putting florida at the top if not the top contender for their services yeah and a big thing with this coaching staff like you mentioned even last year it's like like closing wasn't happening they're they're not super aggressive we've heard we're like oh yeah like they're not pressuring kids to commit which Look, I like, I worked sales a bit. That was what I did. I was like, I'm not going to push you because then that's just going to push you away. But Gators fans are torn on that approach. And and how, how do you feel about that where they're not super aggressive? We see kids come and go on campus, go for more visits. But, I mean, it worked out for the most part, right? Yeah, I think it's all relative to who the player is. If there's a top talent wanting to commit, you take them. And you don't think twice about it. But if it's a player that might be, you know, high on your board that you feel that is lower um, or just in, in the middle portion of your board that you feel can go elsewhere, really decide that he's going to commit to Florida and stick to Florida that you want to kind of, you know, persuade to continue throughout his process and make that decision when that 
time comes and he knows that that's for sure what he wants to do. I don't have a problem with it. Um, you know, they did it at times last year. They've done it so far this year. Uh, Justin Denson, the cornerback from Rhode Island, is the kind of the main uh, piece that I've seen from that this cycle, even though Corey Raymond likes him a lot. And I do think that they end up getting uh, him in this class at this time. But it's just little things like that with talent that might not be ranked as high that they want to test the process so they don't have to deal with the decommitment when it, it you know, a, a decommitment down the line or um, just kind of fluctuating pieces later in the, in the recruiting process. They're really trying to find talent that commits and sticks to Florida and whether that's, you know, good or bad at this stage is still to be seen. Um, but at, I mean, dating back to last year, it wasn't a, a terrible kind of process that they worked through. So they're just sticking with what worked last year. And, but obviously there's still room to grow as they need to land those elite talents. Yeah. Uh, one of my things with the, like the point of not really pressuring kids, which is yeah, what we've heard before. And I could be totally wrong about this. So feel free to say that, but I feel like for me, at least I was like last year, I didn't think it was a good approach because last year the staff just didn't have time to do their little, slow burn chip away at you style that that they're kind of known to do but i feel like over time this approach would work as as long as you're you know winning games and not getting fired i feel like that approach could work because you have more time to talk to these kids you have more time to talk to 2025 kids already so you don't have to really work that slow burn or you don't have to worry about that slow burn style but i feel like last year it was the wrong approach but i'm kind of cool with it going forward is that stupid of me to be like hey like i'm cool with, with the slow burn yeah no i don't think that's that's stupid i think that there's a place for that especially in the new era of college football recruiting uh but i do think like i said there it is all relative to who the player is if you're telling you know a guy in the top 25 of the class to hey we want you to take it slow and, and make sure you want to be here Bam, bama or george is getting them and it's just like that's how it goes so you got to really close out on those top kids. Meanwhile, you can allow the other guys that, you know, you may not be as high on. You might have someone else in front of them. You know, you might be willing to take them, but you're uh, just kind of wanting to see how the rest of his process plays out before you get them in the class. I think that's a reasonable approach to the recruitment, you know, uh, process that they have at Florida. Uh, but I mean, it's at the same time, it's a double-edged sword because you don't take a player that you are high on that you think has potential. And then another team discovers that potential and gets them because they're willing to kind of play it faster. So it's really just a balance of, can we kind of have these kids hold off and still maintain that interest in the university of Florida? Cause once you get a kid in the class, it's, there's a better chance of keeping him than pushing him down the line and it, hoping he comes into the class. Obviously you'll get flips. You'll get guys that move uh, in and out of the class as the year goes on, but there's so many different scenarios that can play into it that it's kind of hard to see at this point, if this slow burn process, as you said, is positive or negative for the university of Florida. And with only seven commits in the 2024 class, you think you'd want to kind of pick up the process, even though, you know, they have one of the best class averages that they've had in quite some time, even with those seven pieces in the fold. Yeah. And uh, now ignoring Twitter and ignoring discord, um, should Florida Gators fans be concerned with recruiting so far? Uh, I know that it's like not, 
a ton of activity right now as far as getting these commitments. But, and yeah, we, we know social media Gators fans just lighting it on fire right now. But should Gators fans be concerned? And if not, at what point do you think they should be? Yeah, I think if uh, – so I wouldn't say it's time to press the panic button, but I do think there is a bit of room for uh, just angst within the fan base just because they're not closing on the talent that we've expected them to close on so far. Um, You know, came into the first weekend expecting one, possibly two commitments. uh, Didn't get that this weekend. Figured that Florida would be able to close on one, potentially two guys might get Mike Williams later tonight. But other than that, it's just looking as if there's not much closure, which is always a concern. I don't care if it's in March or it's in December. If you can't close, you're not going to be able to support an SEC roster to compete against the likes of Bama and Georgia to compete for the conference title and the national title. And that's where ultimately where Florida's expectations lie. I do think that there is a significant, you know, kind of, uh, difference between being cautiously like being cautious and being like skeptical versus being pessimistic and thinking that the world is falling apart because they don't have commitments to the stage in June. I think by the time the summer ends, if the class isn't at least ha- added a few more pieces, they're in like the mid teens in the commitment category. I do think it'd be time to panic. So like that 14, 15 range, if they can get to that, uh, by the time August or September rolls around, I think they'll be in a really good spot. But if not, it could be time to press the panic button just compared to where, you know, because they've kind of loaded up in the summer. They've said we're, we're throwing all of our marbles into the summer official visits. We want to really impress kids. And a lot of them that they've gotten on campus are closing it down before the fall gets here. So if they're closing it down before the fall gets here, then it's like, all right these pieces aren't in the class, where do they go from here? And then that's where it kind of, you know, you're taking seconds and thirds and it's just not a recipe for success. Yeah. I just know that all of Gator nation right now, is just their finger right above, right above the panic button. Cause they're always yeah. ready for it. Today's episode of lockdown Gators is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, America's number one sportsbook and new customers get a no sweat first bet up to 2005 hundred dollars that's up to two thousand five hundred dollars back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win just download the fando sportsbook app it's safe secure super easy to use and today's dinger tuesday which means you bet 25 dollars on someone to hit a home run if that person does not hit a home run you get five dollars back in bonus bets for every home run that is hit that game so make make some money you know with FanDuel. You get to learn more at fanduel.com slash locked on and earn more. Now with that, I will say I think there's several pieces that should, um, as of right now, I, I believe to be leaning toward Florida. Um, and I'm pretty confident in a lot of those pieces. Obviously, there's some that are, I'm, I'm a bit more skeptical about. But in the grand scheme of things, there should be a drastic uptick here in the next, I'd say, from – the last week in June to the first week in July, there should be a significant uptick in commitments in the 2024 class. Any specific names you want to drop on us? <laughs> I can't. Um, there's not necessarily anyone specific. Obviously, um, there's the obviously Chris Jones is someone that is a, a big target for Florida. He's kind of going to be that third linebacker in the class uh, if um, he commits with Miles Graham and Adarius Hayes, but. He's someone that I expect to kind of 
whenever his I think he's supposed to commit either end of this month or into next month. Um, so if if someone is to pop, if there's one of them that I'm comfortable dropping their name, he's probably the one that I believe is leaning most towards Florida right now and will be in their class by the time the summer ends. At least yeah, he he's the one that for you know two months now I feel like I've been like yeah. just get him just I, I just want him in the class so they're still in, they're still in a very good spot for him I he was one of the ones I expected to commit last weekend but didn't decided he was going to take it slow and commit whenever his original time frame um allowed him to um in terms of how he wanted to kind of go about his recruitment but they're just still doing a great job Bateman is the recruiter of the year at the University of Florida right now and he's still looking to add so I think Jones is in a in kind of the highlighting piece of what Florida wants to get done before August rolls around. Which how ironic is that? Because like in the 2023 class, I feel like Gator Nation was just like not only fire kill him. Like I feel I feel like they were just ready to get rid of Jay Bateman. And now he's got Miles yeah. Graham and Darius Hayes. Chris Jones is great progress so far. Like that's just incredible. Yeah. He's he's so uh when he was at North Carolina he kind of proved that he would be like on one year and then off one year. He, it was like, he almost, it was almost cyclical. He would load up, get his guys. He would coach them, you know, in, into the next year, he'd grab a development piece, like what Jaden Robinson was for Florida last year. And then he would go into the next class and he would ball out. And it's just been an on again, off again cycle ever since he kind of got that position in the power five. And, it's held true to this point at Florida. If he can get to make it consistent, he's shown that he can get it done. If he gets consistent or he grabs one or two elite players at his position a year, I think he's going to be the most untouchable assistant coach outside of Corey Raymond on this staff going forward. Yeah. Um, he, he's killing and getting someone like Chris Jones is also like, Oh the yeah. Fairfax, Virginia yeah. area is not a Florida pipeline right now. Yeah. So yeah, he, and that's, that's where he's going to find a lot of success. Cause he has that, background up there at army when he coached there and he built a lot of rapport with many coaches and just pieces that really respect him up there for what he's done and kind of the personality that he has and the resume he's built so i think there's a lot that they can get from that dmv area uh in you know with jay bateman uh kind of leading the the pack up there because you have chris jones but you also have aaron childs that's also a gator target at this point and you know you have a potential to get four linebackers with a Darius Hayes if in that scenario sliding down to the edge. So it's just, there's so many possibilities and two of them could be from that region that Jay Bateman's controlling so well at the moment. Yeah. Uh, while we're on the topic of just like basically expanding their recruiting yeah. map here for Florida, yeah. uh, this is something that it, it's interesting to me because you brought in Eric Garner this past week was on campus. Yeah. He's from Illinois. That's not yeah. an area that Florida typically recruits. Um, they have, I forgot his first name, Andrews from Massachusetts is going to be on campus this weekend. They're, they're branching out here. How do you feel about that? Where it's, I mean, Billy Napier showed up and he's like, yep, we're going to wall off Florida. And then now 2024, they're like, well, we've got two kids from Texas. We're in it for more of them. We're going just, just everywhere and, and kind of expanding there. So how do you feel about that? Yeah. So I think obviously Florida is a hotspot in talent. And they're going to the primary focus is going to be landing players that they believe can be immediate contributors from the state of Florida. But they have a I think it's a six hour um, radius of where they will offer kids outside of the state of Florida, just like they'll, they'll throw out offers to kids that they feel that are, you know, either whether they're projects or elite talent. 
And then from there, they are really picky about who they offer outside of that six-hour radius. So you'll get some guys like uh, they offered Jeremiah McClellan from St. Louis. He's a wide receiver. He probably won't end up heading to Florida, but he's someone that said they said that they don't do this very often. So the pieces that you see coming in from some of these areas that aren't in that six-hour radius are guys that they are really high on and they think that can be kind of these immediate contributors for them moving forward. Um, and I think, and, and it's whether it's the entire staff or just one assistant like Corey Raymond and Justin Denson, I think there's a lot that said that, that says about the pieces that they're bringing in elsewhere. Texas is a state that they're going to try to anchor down because Texas is arguably the most talented state in America over the next few cycles. They have, produce so much talent recently and comparatively to the other Southern states, they have the most polished talent. A lot of their talent because of the effort that goes into producing in Texas at the high school level and kind of just throwing in all the facilities and development uh, that goes into Texas high school football that Florida is going to really anchor down there in Texas, but it's just a, it's, it's the most intricate process I have seen uh, since I really got into this four years ago. Um, just seeing how they attack not just Florida, but everywhere else and how kind of uh, detailed they are and who they offer and who they think can fit into their scheme uh, outside of that six hour radius that they really look to kind of hone in on whenever they have the cycle. So that's a long way of saying, you know, that's kind of how they're approaching this area of the recruiting trail. Uh, have you ever seen where Hayden Hansen went to high school with the facilities were like, I have not. It, it, whenever you see him again, ask mm. him to show you. Cause he sent me pictures and I was like, you got like, a, like they have like a whole big weight room, big practice. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I, I like, I know I'm from New York and we don't care about football here, but like, <laughs> like that's, that's how Texas goes, man. Texas is, they treat it as if it is a professional or college sport that high school football in Texas is just as big as college football. It's, it's the real deal down there. So there's a lot to really learn. And like, I like just seeing pictures and kind of getting an opportunity to go. Um, and just, I like, I was just driving, I went there um, a few years ago just to Dallas and I got to drive past some of the high school football stadiums. I was like, Oh my goodness, this is, a college level stadium they take it very very seriously and they pump a lot of money into it so there's a reason why texas talent is rising uh on the you know it's it's always been a thing but it's just getting better and better every single year yeah the fact that you're saying stadium alone is is pretty indicative of their investment there but um yeah something with this past weekend specifically that kind of piqued my interest Caleb Odom was on his official visit and afterwards he said that the staff is showing him Kyle Pitts film and that they want to use him similar to that. Jare Hawkins was on campus and he said that uh, Billy Gonzalez was talking to him about using him like Kadarius Tony. Billy Napier was talking about using him like like Jalen Waddle. And that kind of piqued my interest because none of those players fit like the current Florida style we've seen under Billy Napier. It's just not how they've been used. Do you think that's more just like the recruiting game. And and I think we know with that, or is it genuinely that Florida wants to start spreading things out and uh, we'll say modernize uh, in in the future? Yeah, I think so. I wouldn't necessarily say they want to start spreading things out uh, because they're the identity for Florida football 
under Billy Napier is going to be running the ball. They're going to try to push the rock down your throat uh, consistently. And we're going to see that again this season as, you know, Florida tries to figure itself out identity wise, but getting a quarterback in like DJ Lagway kind of allows them to open up the field in a way that they haven't been able to before. And so because of that, they're going to be able to use the guys like Caleb Odom in a Kyle Pitts role or Jure Hawkins in a, uh, Kadarius Tony role, or, you know, just other talents that have kind of had success at Florida in that, you know, scheme that Dan Mullen ran, it can still work in the scheme that Billy Napier wants to run because in a, in like, just because it's a balanced offense, doesn't mean it's going to be, you know, that 60, 40, 65, 35 style that we've seen so far uh, under this regime, just because they didn't have the pieces outside to really make it work. I think there's a lot that goes into what, you know, it, to kind of building towards that. But I think that there is a legitimate interest in using those pieces like that, especially Caleb Odom. They view him more as a wide receiver than a tight end. He probably won't inline much or align on the inline much um, if he was to commit to Florida. And there would be a lot of kind of gadget. Um, I, I don't want to say gadget because he's more than that, but there would be a lot of mismatch uh, created within how they use him in the offense. So there's, you know, a back and forth between, okay, they're going to run the football down, our, down, you know, their throat, the other team's throat. And they're also going to try to utilize the talent that Lagway is expected to bring to the university of Florida. So it'll kind of fall more towards a 50, 50 split between run and pass. I believe if they were to get some of these pieces into the fold and, Maybe it would result in a bit more of a modernization of the offense, but I don't think it's going to be like, oh, they're going to flip the script and you know go, just go away from the run game in, in total and kind of take the uh, <laughs> the air raid approach. That's just not going to happen. So, Cliff, Cliff, not coming to uh, not coming to Gainesville. No, Cliff is not coming to Gainesville. Still, he's not. Uh, I know that uh, some of my listeners just shed a tear because they love that man for some reason, but. Uh, Flipping to basketball now where, I mean, yeah, we talk football. That's great. Basketball is, it's coming up and things are actually looking up as well for basketball here. Since we last spoke, Florida, Todd Golden, they brought in Zion Pullen and they brought in Julian Rishwain. Apologies if I just butchered that. But to their, depending on where you look, top ranked transfer portal class in college basketball right now. What do they kind of bring to the table in Gainesville immediately? Yeah, there's a lot of variety uh, that Florida really brought in this offseason. And it's more than just, you know, those two that you named. They brought in multiple pieces that can contribute immediately. Zion Pullen, I'm going to start with him. I think that he is the guard that Todd Golden looked for out of Kyle Lofton last year. He's a dominant scorer who can also facilitate and set up the offense in a way that allows Florida to kind of have a multifaceted offense you know if they're in a stagnant uh like set you know just trying to find points you know shooting cold or whatever you have a guy that can go to the bucket and get a bucket for you easily and it's something that they didn't have last season they were really reliant on colin castleton throughout the early in the year or riley kugel towards the end of the season but they didn't really have those pieces that could create on their own when the offense isn't ticking the way that it is zion pulling is someone that can not only allow the offense to tick, but if it's not, he can go be a player that gets a bucket. So can Walter Clayton Jr. in the backcourt, who's going to be his backcourt partner. So just 
you have all these pieces that are going to be able to provide for Florida offensively, and that'll result in the more indicative uh, kind of style of play that Todd Golden is trying to bring to the University of Florida. Rich Wayne, on the other hand, he struggled last season, but in his main season with Todd Golden in that tournament year, he shot over 40% from the field and from three. He's going to kind of be a spot-up shooter off the bench, um, but he can create on his own. He likes a little right to or left to right step back off one dribble once he touches the ball kind of put gets him in rhythm and he's able to knock those, those down consistently he can catch and shoot so that's a positive but he he's you know someone that can kind of get them going from beyond the arc get that rhythm and hope you know potentially spread the floor for you know the the pieces underneath like Micah Hanglock, hand logton and Tyree Samuel as they try to find their way uh, into this mold but there's a ton of pieces that they have and it's going to look very, very different from what it did, like you know, last year. And that is a very good thing. Uh, I think this is a tournament team, like I've said before. Uh, now that they have that point guard, and it's one of the best rosters in college basketball uh, heading into the season in terms of a uh, you know top to bottom, uh, just having multiple pieces that can do different things. And really, uh, it's a complete roster that they've pulled in here in this ahead of the 2023-24 season. Yeah, I like that you said it's going to be different, and that's a good thing because my next question was that that's a good thing, right? Because they were just awful at certain points yeah. last year. It was yeah. um, not the most fun I've ever had watching Florida Gators basketball. But And I do also, like you mentioned, you know, this is a tournament team because as you were describing this, like, like, like this sounds like it, like it has to be a tournament yeah. team. Yeah. Great class and just – you know, I'm bought in on Todd Golden. I'm assuming you are as well. Yeah. Just as, yeah, uh, that was no hesitation. So, so I love that one. But uh, Florida also made a little bit of news for 2024's recruiting class this year. You have Isaiah Brown committed. And then you added John Bull this past uh, Saturday, I believe it was. Yeah. Yes. And like, how does that make you feel for where Todd Golden is positioning the team? for the future because so much of the conversation that we've had just on the, you know, four or five times you've been here has been 2023. It's been the present, the transfer yeah, portal yeah. class that's going to contribute now, but long-term, how is Todd Golden positioning this team for success? I think the biggest thing I will say is you're seeing kind of this change of the guard in terms of how they recruit talent. So you're seeing them not only kind of, focus on the backcourt or the front court. Like under Mike White, you saw a lot of these pieces come in, but they just loaded up at one or two positions. And then they had, that's what that's, you know, last year they had a lack of depth down low. Obviously, um, Tuan Gatkek transferred out right after Mike White left, but you only had Jason Jatobo and Colin Castleton down low. And that's just that neither of them were, or I mean, I, Colin, Colin was, but, Jatobo wasn't a piece that really could kind of be that backup player for Castleton because they just didn't mesh in style. And so now you're looking and you're seeing like Isaiah Brown, oh, he can be that number two or three and play off the wing, similarly to a Walter Clayton Jr. or you know Riley Kugel in terms of just being able to kind of be consistent. He's not going to be as I don't I don't think he'll be as like star as Riley Kugel, star power, um, just being able to kind of score at, win, at his own whim. But I think there's a lot of traits that are similar. Uh, the, the athleticism, the way he finishes at the cup, the way he's able to kind of create for himself. And then you look down low, they got Micah Hang-Logton, 
who's a massive seven foot rim protector. And that's exactly what you got in John bowl on a larger scale because his wingspan is unlike anything I've ever seen in my life. He is a dominant rim protector at the high school and travel circuit level. And I think that there's a lot of optimism that should be, you know, kind of taken from how they built this roster and how they continue to build the roster because you're just seeing guys come in and they're immediate replacements for guys they already have. So there's a mold. You see that there's a plan and they're executing on that plan instead of just taking pieces that they have to find out how to use them because they haven't had it before. So I think that's really one of the big things they're building for the future because they're not only getting the pieces that they need now, but they're looking and saying, how can we replace these guys when they do move on from this stage? And I think that's a big, big thing. Uh, kind of positive for Florida basketball moving forward. There's a plan in place and they're executing it to perfection so far. Yeah. Uh, I just want you to know every time you say Riley Kugel, I just know that he plays 2K. I'm just saying that like the, the amount of step backs he plays. Yeah. 2K. I w- so I, I've always kind of uh, drawn a likeness to how Jordan Poole plays the game. It just looks like they're playing pickup at all times. I think that there's, you know, they just are so creative in the way that they play. Sometimes it's frustrating, but it works uh, whenever you're able to have the ball in your hands as often as Riley Kugel does. And so, you know, there's going to be times where he takes a shot that you're kind of like, oh, but it's someone that you want taking those type of shots because he has proven he can make them. So, yeah, it's a different play style. It's not something that you necessarily see all the time, especially at the college level where everything's so team oriented. But if Florida allows him to kind of just be himself and play that kind of ISO ball on occasion, he can be a dynamic piece for them this year. I think he's a potential lottery pick in the upcoming draft if he performs the way he did over the past 10 games to end last season. Yeah, I feel like having a player like that, like Riley Kugel, Jordan Poole style, where it's like, yeah. oh, you don't want – I feel like that's similar to football-wise, having like like a gunslinger quarterback, and it's like, oh, yeah. that was stupid. But I get it. Like, I, I know you yeah. can do it, so I fully understand yeah. it. So. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm bought in on it. Thank you so much, Brandon. This is Brandon Carroll with All Gators. And, yeah, I mean, you're going to be back. We know this. You'll be back very soon. But thank you so much, Brandon. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. Every day we are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more Florida Gators football. Their recruiting approach, most likely, will be what comes up tomorrow for Lockdown Gators. I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with Whole Nine Sports, Giants Country, NFL 33, and I will see you all tomorrow.